Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone is enjoying the lull in the summer heat at the moment. Hi everybody, Matt Guy is here and I am finally going to bed uh, with the just adequate amount of sweat on my testicles. Well, let's turn talking about yourself in a third person to start with. Then. It's very, uh, very continental of you. Hello everyone. It's been quite nice not having to like go to bed feeling fucking exhausted because it's been too hot. We're actually like having a nice summer at the moment. This is very much my kind of weather now. Like it's not grey, but it's cooler, which is yeah, it's it's my kind of thing currently. But you are like almost you're like a jellyfish, ain't you really though? You're like almost transparent. Oh yeah, I mean I am milk bottle as fuck. Like it's it is ridiculous. Even though I have caught a little bit of the sun. <laughs> Where? I mean, that's, that's a that's a vest. It's very much a tiny little bit that you just there. That's about it. Like there's not. I mean, obviously that that's great for the uh, the audible listeners rather than video. But yeah. I think for the uh, for for everyone else, that's just a bruise on his arm. <laughs> I try to avoid the sun where I can. Like, I've even bought a new hat to make sure that I don't get burnt and stuff now. It's got to be done. It's the, that's the worst problem about being a baldy, is obviously having to deal with the constant mm. pain of a sunburn on your head. I'm looking at the weather for France, and it on Friday and Saturday of next week, it's going to be 31 degrees. Oh, glorious. Dear me. That's a bit, a bit grim. It's not ideal, that really. But I'll have to stick a hat on me bunce. Hoping you've got aircon in the uh, in in the bug. Oof, have we fuck? It's <laughs> it's a proper sweat fest in the uh, in the van. But um, once once you go to bed, because you it's all like thick black curtains and a black screen on the front, you'll be all right. Rather you than me, I think. <laughs> Um, because we've just passed the halfway point of the year, it's time to review the last six months. Much like last year, rather than do a top five of the first half, because we do that in like six months' time, we'll just give some topics out and discuss some a few films that, or TV shows that we've really enjoyed that fall within that topic. I think that's probably the best way to do it and hopefully give some people some um, recommendations on if they've got a bit of space in their TV viewing calendars currently. Um, so I think we'll start off with something a bit more wholesome and family friendly. Stu, what have you got that uh, is available for all ages? You know what? I love this episode every year because <laughs> so many things get added. But I fear this time that there's not going to be many new things because we've kind of blended into one person between us all. <laughs> um, and I think this obviously has to be the Mario Brothers movie, doesn't it? <laughs> I can't think of anything else more wholesome and amazing and family-friendly as that. The fact that it came out and broke oh, as many records as it is after being panned by the critics, which who shows what they know. Um, yeah, it's just a wonderful film. We've, we've said it multiple times already on here that how much we all loved it. and I kind of can't wait to own it properly rather than just streaming it. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched it three times now. Um and if it can entertain a six-year-old, then it could entertain anyone. Yeah, I mean, that was the kind of the obvious choice, wasn't it, for this category? Matt, have you got something else, or were you doubling down on Mario? No advances on Mario. It was um, it was brilliant, and it, it did fall onto the, the more childlike side of the kids' films. You know, we've had other films in the past that have, aired on the side of the nudge nudge wink wink is that a sex joke is it in a kids film kind of thing mm. um so yeah that's the only one really that stands out for me unless puss in boots was in 23 i don't think it was uh no it was 22 so um mario surpassed kind of all the expectations for me like i expected it to be good but i didn't expect it to really jump out and be and be quite as just genuinely funny as well as being bright and colourful and beautiful on the eye. Um, it was a triumph in all senses of the word and uh, it really kicked off a good year in terms of, or good half of the year, I should say, in terms of calendar cinema viewing, something that obviously we'll, we'll have to look forward to with the weirdest 
opening day of Oppenheimer and Barbie in history. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mario all the way. What a great, um, what a great film, and what a great kind of visual it was as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Like my first choice was going to be Mario. I sort of assumed that at least one, if not both, of you were going to mention it. Um, it, it was just so nice, for, for want of a better word. There was nothing overly cynical or nasty about it. And as you say, Matt, a lot of comedy uh, animated films, they do want to put the joke in there for the grown-up who's forced to go along with the, their kids to make sure that they're still paying attention to. And Mario didn't do that. And it wasn't any worse for it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this is the kind of film that I would probably have issues with here, there and everywhere. But it was such an, a nice experience that... I can't really pull it apart. Like, there are issues with it. I understand why critically it was panned. I get it. But at the same time, it just gave you the feels, and that's sometimes enough. Uh, the only other film that I was going to mention on that one was a film called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. I think I have mentioned it before. Yeah, I did. Just a really lovely, sweet little film about a man who is going through a divorce, moves into a new apartment, and there is a shell who lives there with his grandmother. And he lost his family when the previous tenants moved out and accidentally took his family with him. They make a documentary that goes viral on YouTube. And it's just like when the grandma dies, it's really sad. But I also think if you've got younger viewers, that might be a good way into a discussion about a really tough subject. So I think they handled some really grown-up topics in a really mature way that I think could probably translate quite well to kids as well. It was just a lovely film that I, I really had a lot of fun with. There are plenty of like short films and stuff of Marcel the Shell with shoes on available on YouTube as well. So even if you don't want the full experience, that's worth checking out, I think. The next topic is something a little bit gorier. So anything bloody, visceral or nasty. Uh, Matt, what's on your list? Yeah, I struggled with this one a little bit because I couldn't think of anything that really jumped out at me. And it, like, this, this doesn't really fit into any of those categories, really. But the one that was closest for me um, would have been the menu. Okay, yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily bloody it wasn't there was an element of visceralness if that's a word to it but it it was so unusual and uncomfortable even when it kind of ended up being more of like b-movie-ish towards the end mm -hmm. and it became less about like this weird not stepford wives but that kind of weird to it just being a bit on the silly side um it was uncomfortable enough that it kind of got the heart racing and you're sitting on the edge of your seat like it's it's a weird one because it's not a horror it's not a thriller it's not a comedy it's a bit of an amalgamation of all three but i did really enjoy it it was just at the time of I, I, I didn't know what to think at the end of it and and that in itself is a good thing i think it makes you question kind of what it is that you've viewed but yeah the menu was um a funny old start to the year. It was, it was something unusual, and sometimes that's just what you need is something a little bit out of the ordinary. Mm, it's good, and it's it's the type of... Horror probably isn't the right word. Maybe thriller, do we think? Might that... Mm, yeah. yeah. It does. It, it sort of... I mean, I suppose it's horror and thriller. It, it very much walks that line between the two. It was uncomfortable in parts and kind of funny as well. But I think with any good horror, there is also the social aspect of it as well that you can enjoy it on, on many levels. Plus, I, I do like What's-His-Face, Nick Holt. I think he's, he's an interesting actor in everything he does. Mm, yeah, for sure. Mm. Stu, was there anything clear-cut for you? I had the same problem where there wasn't a stand standout. I mean, I, I did a, a proper Gillard thing this year. From, from the first thing I watched in 2023, I just wrote it all down. So, so I didn't forget it all. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, this... this Blending into one thing is going too far, but look, I looked at that list of everything I've watched, including TV shows and whatever, and there was nothing on there. Like normally, you'd think oh, I thought something oh, terrible, and then I watched Bo is Afraid, and <laughs> that thing. <laughs> I mean, you can't even spoil it, can you? Because what the fuck's going on for yeah. three hours? 
And this is what I said in the group chat that we need we need to put a camera on him and watch Matt just sit there and suffer through it all and see how long he lasts before it gets turned off because that it's one of the most. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. It is wonderful, but it's also really really shit. But it's not. It's. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it for a long long time. And even counting these other two films that we've talked about, Ad nauseum on here. Then it's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least they've got some. You can kind of describe them in a roundabout way. This is just an. A, it's just a head fuck, but there's some t- some shocking stuff in it that goes on. Um, of some extremely gory as well in parts. Some just me- some of the most messed up things you can possibly imagine. Um, yeah, just. A peculiar experience, and I still don't know if I can recommend it to anyone if we were doing our usual thing, because I can't, because I know no one would like this, other than a very select few people. Yeah. I I think out of almost everyone I know, Matt would hate it most of all. (laughs) I I genuinely think you would hate that film. But I I did enjoy the experience, but I I can't tell you why. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it's something else. Like I, you are right, you can't really recommend it to people unless you know that they're very specifically like one kind of movie, which is the Ariasta kind of movie. Like it's, and, and even then, I don't think everyone would get it. I'm not sure I completely got it in part. <laughs> being honest about it, <laughs> uh, but like same as both of you, I really struggled on this. I've watched a few horror films this year and I don't feel like any of them have really hit home in quite the way I wanted to. Like The Evil Dead Rises, I, I did enjoy that. I thought that was a good film, but it wasn't a great film. Mm. It didn't quite live up to the Evil Dead name. As, as fun as it was, it wasn't quite there. So the one I think that really I did enjoy was the knock at the cabin in the woods. Oh, yeah. I thought that was... Genuinely, probably the best horror that I've seen so far this year. Big Dave Batiste, that is just going from strength to strength on, on cinema screen. He's he's not just the meathead he looks like he would be. He's got so much more about him than just being a big, strong guy. He's actually got depth, or he can portray depth to his characters. And that's really what he brought to this film. That was, Even though he was the villain, he was a sympathetic villain. And he really did steal the show, even though he's acting with stalwarts like Jonathan Groff. Like he, he was the star of that film, which is not a, an easy task to make, especially in a Shyamalan film who, like, let, let's be honest, they tend to go, well, one of one way 90% of the times. They tend to end up pretty bad. Yeah, that was the, that was the number six of the uh, on the list of things I'd watch this year. But I, that that's very much more psychological for people going looking for it if you don't know what it is um, mm. than the gore, which I know was in the question anyway, but still. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I know a lot of people didn't for obvious reasons because it's Shyamalan. It's the most marmite person ever. Yeah. Well, after last year's up, I was really worried it was going to be another one of those. But I, I'm really glad I gave it a chance. I, uh, yeah, as I say, at the end of it, I had a, a really good time watching it. Uh, so moving on the next category, give me something funny, Stu. Um, again, there, there was no standout thing, was there? Um, it was like Jackass that just won last year, easy, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few like Banker Dave. I thought it was a decent, fun film on Netflix. But just a local guy in Burnley starting his own bank, which amazingly is based on a true story. Um, and the full Monty, the last five episodes rather than the first three, um, because the first three, I understand why people didn't like it because it, compared to comparing it to the film, it's the same characters supposedly, um, mm. but it's a very different tone to start with. And I know that they're introducing new characters and all these kind of things and new people, and it's going to take time to build. But in the end, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it, but that's more humorous. But the only one that I actually laughed quite a lot at, which, when reading about it afterwards, makes perfect sense, was Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. 
because it, they're based very much on Monty Python, and you can obviously see a lot of that in that film. And I think it got quite overlooked. <laughs> overlooked by me at the time when it came out. I thought that looks ridiculous. That that mm. just doesn't look funny. But then I, I thought I'll, I'll give it a chance. Why not? And actually, it's really enjoyable. Even even if you're not into swords and sandals and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I did think uh, from the trailers again, again, movie trailers, from the teaser, it looked like a spoof. And obviously we haven't had a good spoof for a long, long time, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, but it's not a spoof. It's just a really funny film. that just happens to have dragons and that kind of setting. But yeah, mm. that, it, I was really surprised with that. And that, that gets my mention. It's really interesting. I've just looked on Rotten Tomatoes then. Um, 90% critical and 93% audience score. So it's got very positive reviews. But if I remember rightly, I don't think it did very well at the box office. No. So I think it was one of those people liked it who saw it, but not a lot of people saw it, which is unusual. Matt, have you got anything that tickled your funny bone this year? Um, going into the realms of TV, I did howl with laughter at, uh, for Ted Lasso. Um, so far mm. this year, it was it, it Ted Lasso for me. It, it didn't like hit the massive high notes of um, the series in terms of other series, but it had individual episodes that were as good as anything in the show in in, in the entirety of its of its yeah. three series. Um, and there were some things that just made me properly howl with laughter. And there were some things that made me smile. And there were some things that were sad. And it was just it that, that show had become calendar viewing, but as a household for me and me and Sam, my wife, like it just became, we couldn't wait for it to be on. And it was something wholesome that we watched together and really enjoyed. And whilst it might not have been, you know, very football heavy, this, this series, um, it didn't need it. The human story was enough. Um, and I really enjoyed it all the same. Um, and I, you know, there's still rumors and I think Apple, Apple TV put like a photo out the other day, like a, with kind of coach beard and, um, a few others and just leave it alone. Like don't touch it. Um, but Ted Lasso was still great. This series was still great. I did laugh a lot. At it and, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, that midweek sweet spot because it was out on a Wednesday, I think, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're midway through your working week, you're on you're at hump day, you get to watch Ted Lasso when you get home. We'd genuinely look forward to going home to watching it. And if that's mm-hmm. not something, you know, that you enjoy from a funny or at least from a makes you happy kind of point of view, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, T- Ted Lasso, I thought was, I thought it was great. And like from day one till the, the very last show in, it's, it's it's almost become trending now though to sort of shit on it a little bit, which I find bizarre, but also that's become the way of the world, hasn't it? When something becomes popular, you're always gonna get people who are well, I never watched it. Okay, great, good for you. <laughs> but those of us who did, we did have a good time with it, and I think we all fell in love with all of the characters and I think we'd like to see more, but at the same time all almost definitely not see any more as well, because mm. the race has been run. And it, it was great while it was there, but it, I do think on the big screen it's been quite a poor year for uh, comedies. Like I looked at my list, and like the the film I laughed most at in the cinema was probably Bowie's Afraid, but I was the only <laughs> one laughing at it. Like it was, so I mean, it clearly wasn't a comedy or a comedy well, for most people. It just was to me. But so I don't think that one really counts. I looked at a list of other ones, and like the top rated comedies was um was it guess who i think it was called the eddie murphy and jonah hill comedy that was on netflix that was absolute garbage and i thought well if this is the the high point mm. it's been a shit year for comedy and i really think it has so the only ones that really sprang to my mind were also on tv as well um on freevee there was a show called jury duty where everyone was actors apart from one guy who didn't know that he was basically in a social experiment and they were setting up all the most ridiculous situations in this court case that they were sitting in but everyone was acting around him and he was just the nicest human being you've ever seen whilst people were trying to have sex or 
create a cyborg or just the most odd people that you'd ever meet all got put together with this one person who managed to hold it together and not lose his shit. And it was really sweet and really funny. So I think Jury Duty is probably the funniest one that I've seen. But also Class of 07, which is an Australian show starring Emily Browning. Um, and it's just a group of girls go to their high school reunion. And whilst they're there, the Great Flood happens. So they have to live on this now tiny island in their old school. And it, I think it's like a Catholic school. So it used to be the nuns. And one of the nuns is still living there. And they all fucking hate her. And, and it's just, it's kind of, everyone's horrible. And they all regress to the awful people they were as children. But in this new setting where they're all 30-somethings. It was a really interesting show that was really good fun. Um, so yeah, Class of 07 was the other one that stuck out for me. Uh, moving on, give me something which was kick-ass, Matthew. Um, struggled with this a little bit again, but I I went for something that I only saw this year. I'm not even sure if it was released this year, but it definitely did, did the rounds and the hype this year. And that was Inside Man on Netflix. Um, it was, so it's from 22, but I think it's only rose to prominence this year that anyone's ever heard of it. Okay. It's, it's not been massively, like, well-received. It's kind of a middling of the road, 6.6 on IMDb, 67 on Rotten Tomatoes. But it's this weird mix of Stanley Tucci, David Tennant, um, American prisoner, Brit English vicar, murder, mystery, it all goes horribly, horribly wrong TV show that makes you feel really uncomfortable. Um, but it was just a riot, four episodes. Um, and it was just fantastic. Like it was David Tennant, uh, like has this knack of drawing you in emotionally with what he's doing. Like when he's on edge, you're really on edge when he's like having a laugh, you really get the joy out of the scene. Um, and it's just I can't I can't tell you anything about it other than one bad. Well, Stan, Stanley Tucci says this one line all the way through, and I'm going to actually butcher what he says now. This isn't verbatim by all. He goes, um, "Everyone can be a murderer. It just takes one bad day," and that's essentially the the premise of it. Mm. And Stanley Tucci is on death row in America trying to crack the case of something that's going on. That's all I can tell you, but it's very, very good. Um, we really enjoyed it. And at the end of it, it was kind of, because it was such a four episode, like mini blast. It was like, I was really starting to get into these mini, I don't know if this is just an age thing, but I'm really starting to get into these like ITV slash BBC mini four part dramas. Like you remember you had a little boy blue from a few years ago and you had, mm. um, what was that one with, um, Sean Bean in the prison life? Time. 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 I always call it life. That was brilliant as well. Um, so yeah, Inside Man is a very, very good watch if you get the chance. You know, the, that same thing happened with The Fall with uh, Jamie Dornan and Gillian Anderson. It yeah. was it was an old show that no one watched because it was on BBC Two, and then it came. It was on Netflix, and everyone was talking about it for months on months on end, like it was the the best new thing ever. And I thought, well, I watched this two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was very, very good. Yeah, I watched it when it came out. Just no one else did, apparently, but I'm glad he's got a second wind. Which is interesting, though, because, I mean, like you say, David Tennant, I think he's, like, obviously he's most known for being Doctor Who in this country. But there is something about him where you do think you're, like, one step away from being a psychopath. I don't know if <laughs> so obviously we've seen him play serial killers and what have you as well. But he does manage to straddle that line where he's not that far away from doing something completely fucked up. And I think he's just wonderful for it. And Stanley Tucci is very much his American counterpart in my eyes. He's another one who's just right on the edge of being brilliant or batshit. And I love it. I think it's a, a great trait to have. Stu, what have you got that was kick-ass? I mean, obviously, Fast X is the the, the, <laughs> the easy answer. Um, because that's exactly what that film is. And obviously, this is before... Um, we see Mission Impossible because it's the second half. Um, but the other one was The Night Agent, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Which, again, Netflix, you look very confused there, Andrew. Yeah, um, it doesn't ring a bell. The Night no, Agent. 
the night agent. It came and went in the space of about three weeks, it seemed. There was a massive buzz about it all of us, amongst certain people, mainly them who watched 24 back in the day. And it's, it's got very much 24 vibes all over it. Okay. Um, that kind of uh, the government conspiracies and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, very much something that we haven't had for for a while um, since probably 24 and, well, what was it? 24 Legacy, the one that came back and it was not very good. Um, so, yeah, like the old BBC Two Sunday night TV that 24 mm. was. It, rem- it just reminded me of that. And it for all the things that we've got, like the Jack Ryan series and things like that on Amazon, it was it was fun to see a Netflix one that a series of these like extraction all these, these epic nonsense things that they make, basically a series version of that. But it was so well received. I mean, you look at the amount of people that were tweeted about it at the time, and it was breaking all their records again. And, mm. and then it and then it vanished, and no one talked about it anymore after th- the space of three weeks. But well, we said before that's the Netflix problem. Eh? You get that initial burst where everyone beats yeah. it to death, and then you've got no tail. So. Yeah, the night agent. If you haven't, you won't be disappointed. Mm, sounds very good. Um, I'm kind of amazed that neither of you have mentioned John Wick Chapter 4, which I think has probably been the highlight of the four, which, I mean, that's some high praise because I still think the first two were exceptional movies. Uh, but, like, the actual fight scenes and everything were incredible. And he, as a character, is the most kick-ass, I think, out there, mm. at, at least in the last decade, really. He's... Like it's almost, I don't want to say it's given him a second wind because I think he's always sort of been there. But prior to that, he had Bill and Ted, he had The Matrix, and then he was very much known as a very wooden actor. And this has kind of shown that I don't think that was ever really who he was. I think he just did whatever the roles called for. And this has given him a new lease of life. I remember saying at the time, like, it's the perfect sign-off for his character. But I think, sadly, it's not going to be the end of John Wick. I think we're going to get more down the line, which is a bit of a disappointment. But as a four-film arc, it's a perfect ending to that character's lifespan. I just kind of... I hope and pray it does end there, but I have a feeling that we're going to see more, unfortunately. Uh, the other one I had was Poker Face as well, which I thought was a really, really good show. It wasn't action-packed. But um, Natasha Leon, who was the star, she was just a badass in it. She finds out that the local mobster kills her friend and then all shit breaks loose. So she has to go on the run. Wherever she goes, there's like a murder of the week feel to it. And she's the one who tries to solve the murder. And like it's a little bit convoluted, but it's really well made. And she's a really enthralling and engaging character in it. So Poker Face, I thought, was a great, great TV series that we had this year as well. Uh, so going from Kick-Ass, what about something that made you tear up a little bit? Anything that got the waterworks flowing, Stu? The end of Ted Lasso. <laughs> Is that the only thing that I could even think about? Because obviously being dead inside, this doesn't happen, does it? But <laughs> yeah. Like we said, um, when it, when that episode launched, having father and son over the, the montage at the end, it just got me. I mean, I, I was critical of that, the, the last series of it. In the middle, I thought it, it strayed too far from what it was, what it started off as, and there was a lot of token messagey like episodes in there for no real reason, and it had turned into something else, but then it came straight back again. Like it, it had like three weeks of being, oh, we'll put push this message this week, which is fine, but that's not what it started off as, for me. And then it came back, and it was excellent. And then it ended, and I was quite sad. And I like I said earlier, I don't want it to come back. I'll just leave it where it is now. It was good. We had three years of it. It was great. We don't need any more. Um, but the fact that it ended so well, after. Being the underdog kind of thing, I suppose, buried on Apple at the time. Yeah, it was a, it was a sad moment, and obviously there's been other things that finished this year as well. One of the best series of all time up there with in succession, but the ending of Ted Lasso hit me more than that did. Mm. Oh wow, excellent, Matt! You're a man who's in touch with his emotions. What have you? Certainly got? am. 
Um, it had to be Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like, that film had no right to be as sad in parts. And I don't mm. know if it's the, the vegetarian in me. But <laughs> those, those animals that were, like, caged up. And, you know, are we at the point now... I mean, this is a question for a question cast, actually. Write this down, Andy. When is... When is it free season for spoilers? What's the sweet spot where you can talk, now talk about something? Um, f- and then if you haven't seen it, it's your fault. Um, but it, I won't, just in case. But Guardians, you know, there were a few moments in that that really, like, it had Sam going like it's fucking Green Mile. But um, <laughs> even I was like, oh, man, this is this is rough, this is. Yeah. Um, and... Maybe it was just because I was upset that this is the last good Marvel thing I'll ever see. Um, but it just very much felt like, yeah, it was a tugger, a tugger on the heartstrings. And um, in all, for all the right reasons, though, it was because it was done well, not just because of... It could have been quite silly to laugh at a CGI raccoon. Um, yeah. But actually, the again, the human story, quite literally, was was was, was a funny one. Um, not a funny one, so like an emotional one. And... Um, I went out of it not expecting to feel that way when I went into the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I mean, I, I did mention when we talked about that, was that when you was, I don't know if you were away or not for that one. Um, when I, I did tear up four times in that film. Um, but I, I think the overall, yeah, we can't really talk about it, can we? But um, yeah, there's, I think you have to be, there has to be something wrong with you. If you can't feel anything watching them scenes, mm. um, something like seriously, like psychologically bad, um, like David Tennant, but <laughs> yeah, I should have put that actually. Yeah, because you just reminded me of that. That that probably got the fact that he made me, me sob four times over one ending of Ted Lasso. Yeah, I want to. I want to change my mind. I want to agree. Yeah, Guardians <laughs> three. Yeah, Guardians three was excellent. I mean, the the thing I loved about Guardians three is there were sad tears and there were happy tears in it. It wasn't just all a downer or all a chance that you know, Morkish ended. It it gave you everything with it, and it was so well made, and it, it was just the right amount of silliness in a comic book film. So it didn't take away from, as you said, Matt, the human story underneath it all. So that didn't spoil what could have been quite easily spoiled like they they found the balance perfectly and it was it was wonderful for it uh my teary-eyed films um zach braff's a good person it was a film where florence Pugh was the star of the movie she plays someone who is in a car accident and the results end with her being on pain and other drug medications um down the line and having to go into AI and dealing with the fallout of the car accident and everything. So Zach Braff obviously was on Scrubs. Scrubs was created by Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence is the showrunner on Ted Lasso. So like there is always that that element where it could go a little bit too mawkish, a little bit too emotional for the sake of it. Um, but I think he did rein it in at points and like Florence Pugh was just fantastic in it. And the other film was one called Till, which um, was out earlier this year. And it is about the murder of Emmett Till in America back in the 50s, I want to say. Obviously, back with the Jim Crow laws of, you know, black people being treated as second class citizens. And this boy was murdered by this white family. It's based on a true story. And it's the resulting court case and how his mother dealt with this court case with incredible grace and power and it, it's it's very powerful and it's very heartbreaking to see it's got 12 years of slave vibes to it as you'd imagine it leans into that side of things but it was it was really good and i'm kind of amazed that um that the lead actress didn't get nominated for an oscar because she was incredible in it uh, danielle deadweiler she was like blew me away incredible um, going from teary-eyed, give me something romantic, Matthew. I got nothing for you. Like, I don't want to see anything <laughs> with a sign of romance, but I've got no way of shoehorning this film into anything else. So, um, Andy, if it's your must-watch, then interrupt me now. Um, 
In fact, I'm going to put it in the chat. Talk amongst yourselves, listeners. It, it won't um, be mine to TV show. So no, oh, okay. Not, um, no. Then watch air <laughs> because um, it doesn't fit into it doesn't fit into any category. Um, and the, is there nothing more romantic than the love of a man in his shoe? Um, if you're Andy Gillard, then I'm, I'm surrounded so. by him. Yeah, um, yeah. Listen, it doesn't fit into a category. Just watch air. It's it was so like. On the face of it, it, it's just got a great cast. When you look at it and you think, oh, that's a good cast, but the topic doesn't sound that all that interesting. <laughs> I'm not interested in shoes, and I pretty much exclusively only wear Adidas. So this is like this is not the film for me. And I, I walked out of the screen and going, this is the first five-star film in a year. It was, it was that good. It just had me from start mm. to finish. And yes, it's a great cast. But it's it's more than that. It's a great story put together really well, shot wonderfully considering the limitations. There's no grand overarching set pieces and stuff like that. You just have to go see it. Um, it's on Amazon Prime now, and we've all got Prime. We're all plugged into the matrix of Amazon, aren't we? So um, just watch it, and you won't you won't regret it. Mm. One film that I won't be able to fit in, but very much on the same lines as Air. If you enjoyed Air, watch Blackberry. The Blackberry film is like a really good, and it it hits very similar beats, that it's something that you really probably shouldn't give a shit about, but actually the way that it's put on screen is so well done. You've got Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny playing a amped-up version of Glenn Howerton, like just this bubbling rage underneath, and he like you can't take your eyes off him. He's so good in that film. But yeah, I've got nowhere to fit that one in either. But yeah, that that's a, a continuation. If you enjoy air, carry on and watch Blackberry because that that was good as well. And then watch Tetris after that. Oh yeah, that, that, that's another. One. I haven't got around to that one yet myself, but I had heard good things. Yeah, that's really good. It's really good fun. It knows what it is as well. It's a very mm. different vibe to the other two, but it it knows very much what it is. Oh, super. Okay. Yeah, n- next one of these we do in a year's time. Get rid of romance. No one cares about romance. We'll stick in miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I will make a note. No. Misc. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stu, have you got anything that was lovey-dovey or anything to discuss? I mean, you can kind of bend it. The, the fact that he, in air, he did love his job so much that he was willing to put it all on the line. <laughs> so it kind of works. Um, the only one I could think of was across the Spider-Verse, because that's the whole point. He's mm. seen, seen him again. Yeah. Otherwise, none of it would happen. So that, that was as tenuous as I could get through as well, because <laughs> it's not Christmas time, so who cares? <laughs> uh, my answer is Roy Lane. Uh, Roy Lane was just beautiful. It's basically a road trip movie, except they're on foot walking around London, and they just talk about their ex-relationships and how they want to go forward and how it all just sort of works together and they they become this couple that you absolutely fall in love with by the end of it and even though it hits all of the beats you expect from a romantic comedy it's still like no other romantic comedy I've ever seen it just felt so original and unique and uniquely British it was excellent I think it's on Disney plus I would recommend anyone to watch that I think up until air, that was my favourite film of the year. Roy Lane was. It was excellent. Uh, so that's the good. Tell me something bad. Stuart, what let you down this year? Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania. <gasps> but that's a Marvel film, Stu. How can you? <laughs> not, even a que- not even a second doubt in my entire mind. What a massive, massive disappointment that was. <laughs> I mean, that. Uh, the fact that, as usual, went in as blind as possible, um, and it would have probably been actually better to be blind than watch this, <laughs> because to what what was the point? I know you can, we can say this about a lot of them, but it was just a massive wasted opportunity for everyone involved. The fact that they used the the Mandalorian screen thing and made it worse than the Mandalorian. <laughs> And the fact that you could actually tell they were just performing in front of a, in front of a telly. It's just bad. It's just bad, bad, bad. I mean, I did at the time. I thought, okay, 
this is all right. And I, I didn't mind it, and I came away, and I thought, okay, it's another one, fine, whatever. Um, but then when I had time to time to think about it, and like the other day when I, I went to watch, um, I went to start Secret Invasion, which doesn't feature because I haven't watched it yet. Um, and I went to watch it, and then I watched the first ten minutes. I thought, I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I thought, so I just stopped it, and I thought, hmm. I had a quick look about oh, them things like what to watch before. And it's like Captain Marvel, and, and there was a few other little bits and pieces. Um, so I, I mean, I, this could be down to my head thing as well, that I'll watch Captain Marvel. I've seen that film four times. Mm. I, there was part of it I did not remember anything about. And I love that film. I think it's great. But maybe maybe that it's like a residual thing that after what happened, that there's some memory that's just gone. <laughs> and I didn't realise until I tried to use it. But I wish that had happened about Quantumania than Captain Marvel because even though it was nice watching it for effectively the first time again, it, it was all, thinking about it, it got me as mad as, it, almost as mad as Eternals did. And, <laughs> and, and I didn't get that to start with. After I watched it first time, I was okay, like I said, but thinking about it more and more, I don't want to ever see that again. And hopefully the end of that film is now cancelled anyway because of what's happening to a certain person, but... That would be best all round if that did happen because it was just bad. And then you went from that to the Guardians three, which makes no absolute no sense whatsoever how that can exist in the same year, um, in the same phase by the same people. But there we are. Yeah, and then the Wasp Quantumania. Shit. Mm, it, it was awful. I mean, the reason it didn't let me down is because I expected it to be shit anyway. So <laughs> I went in with rock bottom hopes, and that was exactly what was delivered. Matt, you never even wasted your time with it, did you, that one? Nah, not interested at all. Um, no. Summit's got to be special now for me to jump back into that world with any, you know, real gusto. Um, mm. If I was to hear there was some kind of accumulation event akin to the Infinity War ending, there may be, but uh, nah, everything just screams that, like, it's just not the world for me anymore, the, these films. And, like, it's bad enough we've had the flashes being not only how I felt about watching it as a film, but from the box office returns as well. I know that shouldn't equate to anything, but I think people have just had enough now. And like, I think blue is it blue beetle. I know we're going to talk about it on a future episode, but yeah, I would hate, I would be confident in saying that will bomb to levels we haven't seen. Because yeah. I don't think anybody gives a shiny shit about that film, but we'll talk about it on another episode. Um, for me, in terms of what disappointed me, though, I hate to say it, but The Mandalorian really didn't grasp this, <laughs> this season at all. Like it took to maybe maybe the last three or three episodes or so to really even enjoy it, and that's only because Grogu looked funny in a robot and had a prank. <laughs> that said no that's literally that was like this it just wasn't a great series at all it's just boring and I, I just it didn't have that same feel to it that i don't know if i was like in the throes of after watching andor and i just wanted something that was in that universe but wasn't star wars like andor mm-hmm. was Andor was brilliant, and it was in that universe, but it was a completely different feel of a show. The Mandalorian just dragged, and I really didn't enjoy it, and no cute little green gremlin thing could stop that, unfortunately. <laughs> You're not alone on Mandalorian. It, it got kind of panned everywhere. It felt, to me, it was like every other week was an okay episode, but it was just too hit and miss, wasn't it, at points? It's... Um... I don't know. There was definitely changes behind the scenes that I think impacted the overall movement of that show. Ultimately, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Jack Black episode. <laughs> I, that was one of the ones I didn't hate compared to some of the other episodes that were just like completely devoid of anything interesting happening. Because at least Jack Black was in an episode, so <laughs> if nothing else, that was okay, I suppose. But like, yeah, it it was just not. It was not the, the Mandalorian we've come to love and hope for, I think. I've got two films on my list that really just 
didn't give me what I wanted. Um, Scream 6. I've got my notes here from that film. <sighs> Shit, overlong, boring, predictable. Was pretty much convinced about every plot twist at least an hour before it happened. The series started as a satirisation of horror movies. Uh, you know, that that's what the original Scream was. And by this point, this has just become the genre that it previously took up. Making it, and like they made such a big deal about the fact that this one's set in New York. But other than the odd scene where they were on the subway, there was mm. nothing New York about it. Yeah. Like, it was such a waste of time. I had, I really hated it. And I, I'm convinced the only reason some people talk about how much they enjoyed it is because General Tiger's in it and she's everyone's goth girlfriend this year. So I feel like that's the only reason it's got any praise because it was dog shit. I watched it last week, um, mm. last Monday. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't. Would I go that far? I didn't enjoy it as much as the other ones. I'll say that much. Um, and that, that's kind of in screen four as well. In that, yeah. um, it just doesn't need to be there. Does it? It's. I, I, I like the last one. I like five. I thought five was quite good. How it, it, mm. they kind of twisted like the requel. Is that what they yeah. said? Yeah. Um, I thought that, that was it was quite quirky and kind of on trend of like, take the piss out of that whole thing, which was what, like you said, that's what Scream was to start with and the rules of engagement and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just very memorable. It was just another one. Yeah. And it, it could have been, it's like when you, when you got, we got to like Saw 4. <laughs> yeah, if this is going to be every year, yeah, it's it's fine. It, it's you know exactly what to expect, and that's never what Scream used to be, and the, and now it is. And even me, who who is quite stupid about these things, guessed what was going to happen. So everything was so well, well I say well, was so badly signposted. You immediately knew it was going to be that was going to happen, or this was going to happen. I mean, it, the la- the ladder across the uh, the flats. I thought that was quite funny. That was that was different. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, yeah, if they are, if the lower lowest common denominator of intelligence with these things, i.e., me, can figure things out, then it's, it's time to kind of that's it now. Yeah, Just leave put it, it back in bed and, and leave it to rest because yeah, yeah, just nothing of interest. Uh, the other film that I, I really didn't like, and I know it's one that you enjoyed, Stu, but I thought Babylon was just a mess. Just a, a real mess of a movie. Oh, yeah, it was a mess. I, don't, I didn't... Well... I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it because it was a mess. Right. I didn't... Right. It, it's not It's not even getting in the top ten of the year. <laughs> anywhere near, but... Yeah, I know what you're going to... I know exactly what you're going to say, yeah. Yeah, it was all over the shop. It starts like literally the opening scene is an elephant taking a shit on somebody. <laughs> and it's all downhill from there. Like it just, it never got any better. It was all over the place. Then it has the cheek to evoke singing in the rain to the point that it even shows you the film on screen. And it's like, well, that's a much better film. I wish I'd have just watched that again and not sat through this pastiche of that kind of a movie. It was kind of dull, and it was three fucking hours long. It, yeah, it it could have been a half-decent film if they cut out about 30 40% of it, I think. But they didn't, so it was not my cup of tea. So, moving on then. So, when we started this podcast, obviously, we were in the throes of the pandemic and the lockdowns. So, this is what we coin the Tiger King Award which is the thing that everybody should watch. Because obviously when we were in the pandemic, that was the thing that everybody seemed to sit down and watch regardless. So what is the one thing this year that you think should be on everybody's TV or everyone should go to the cinema and see? Matt, what have you got? Um, One thing I championed over the last few weeks um, is Silo. And... It's come to the end now, so if you're one of these that has to just binge everything and doesn't want to watch it episodically, weekly, um, you're now safe to watch it. Uh, I think, is it, is it an Apple show? I don't know who, yeah. does, I don't know who yeah. does it legally. But, um, yeah, it's it, 
it has a bit of everything. It's a conspiracy show, um, mystery as well. It's got Tim Robbins in it. If you need a star, I guess of yesteryear, just so, like as a bit of a pull. Um, I, I don't want to give too much away from it, but if you you know, if you were intrigued by the hatch in Lost, as <laughs> I was, you'll love Silo. Um, and it's been kind of universally praised as one of these kind of sleeper hits um, that lots of people are talking about in their uh, shows of the year so far. And whilst I worry that it, I think it's already been confirmed as being renewed for for season two. It has, well, yeah. It has a it has a whiff of the Channel Five about its silo, which it's not got like a huge budget, and it looks oh, it has. Well, has has it? It doesn't look yeah. it. It's um, I watched. Um, I mean, spoilers. It's mine anyway. So um, <laughs> they they built. They built 70 physical sets. Oh, wow. They throw shitloads of money at this, wow. this show, and it shows. Look, carry on. Well, I, well, I, I disagree. Like, I I thought that they... I don't think it looks fantastic. I think it, like, there's only so much you can do with brown paint. <laughs> like a silo seems to do. And the same apartment with different furniture moved around and shot. Um... But at the same time, like nothing takes away from it for that fact. It's got a great story and the conspiracy element to it is drip fed. So you get it in the first episode and you think, wow. And then it's drip fed to you through the rest of the episode, like on an IV almost. Um, And then it builds towards what is a great finale. And then you have your cliffhanger as you expect. And then we roll on to series two. I just thought it was a wonderful show. Really enjoyed it. Um, the thing for me is when we were watching it, I think about four episodes or so were released by the time I got around to start watching it. And it was like, a, oh, should we watch one more? We don't want to do a Ted Lasso with this and watch it all over a weekend. <laughs> and we'd watched it all like pretty much that night. We watched what we could watch. And if that's, you know, mark of a good show. Mm, I did exactly the same. Started it. We'd run out of everything else we'd watched. I thought, well, there's this and I was going to watch it at some point. In case she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it as well. And we thought, well, we can take our time with it. And I think we watched like six episodes across, like just on a Saturday. It was like, okay, we need to know what's going on and get up to speed. And yeah, it's, it's really well done. Really, like the, the writing in it is fantastic. I sort of agree with you though, Matt. I do think there's a there's whiffs of Doctor Who under David Tennant about some of the looks. Like, it does look like if you shake it hard enough, the cardboard might fall over sort of thing in parts. Um, But that doesn't take away from it at all. I've still not seen the last episode yet. I'm going to watch it next weekend, I think, at this point, waiting for the other half, because otherwise she'll complain. I shouldn't say that because she'll listen to the podcast. But I I would watch it as soon as humanly possible and then just pretend that you you haven't. Um, (laughs) For spoiler reasons. Okay, uh, I won't yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> In case she's listening. <laughs> so Stu, you said that was yours as well, yeah? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I would have said succession, but you've had enough. You've had long enough. You need to grow up. How <laughs> many you got left? Um, I've just watched Connor's Wedding, which I think was episode three of season four. So I've got seven episodes left. That's. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have, um, yeah. So it, it's been consistently excellent for the last five years. Um, like my point out there with the episodic thing, I'm glad that I watched it when I did to be part of the conversation at the time, and not like night the night agent where it is there, but you've got no, you can't. There's no way that you can say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to watch this once a week on my own." Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not the same as well. Everyone's got to watch it once a week because they're not, are they? So, like with that kind of thing, I, I think I watch it like two a day um, to get through it. Enjoyed it, but then, like everyone else, forgot about it. Where the solo has had ten weeks of it or eight weeks of it, I think. Because mm-hmm. uh, I did the same thing. I, I 
until Matt mentioned it on air, I'd forgot that it was out. Because <laughs> it, it was on, you know, where they, they put the thing on at the start of the year, they're on Apple, on the Apple TV, on their YouTube, about tra- things for the year, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, I think Netflix did the same thing. And I'd forgot about it altogether. And then when he said it was out, I thought, oh, okay. And I never expected it to be anywhere near as good as it is. I think the fact that Forbes, of all things, have written about it four times already. <laughs> um, I think after episode four, they said it's the best sci-fi show in years. Um, and then after the finale, we were creaming over it, saying it, this is one of the best shows of the year. And it is for me as well. Because I was curious about, about how much it had been spent. Because <laughs> the, the brain, brain pain thing does... That's kind of ring true because I think uh, we'll just solo Apple TV as a whole. Other than Ted Lasso, you see the, the money that they spent on Prehistoric Planet, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, but again, spread over five nights, which is a weird thing to do, but whatever. And the other one as well, um, there's, they've got one uh, Foundation, which is excellent. I haven't seen Series 2 of that yet. Um, but again, hot, very hard, hard sci-fi stuff. Okay. Like, like the expanse kind of levels, um, and for all mankind, that's another one as well. So they've kind of nailed it. They they've got their little genre that they and um, the other one as well. Severance is Apple TV. So this kind of relatively high budget sci-fi kind of comic con crowd, they know they know exactly what they're doing, and they're doing it better than anyone else. So yeah, solo by an absolute mile. Hmm. Uh, interestingly, mine is also an Apple TV Plus show. It's not one that's been mentioned yet, but it's Shrinking. Oh. I I think that's the perfect show for absolutely everybody to sit and watch. I genuinely think it's something that, no matter your age, your gender, like whatever, I think you could sit there and really enjoy that show. It's a comedy drama series starring Jason Segel and... Harrison Ford as his mentor and the whole show is very much about Jason Segel's character's wife passed away previously to the show starting and it's about him dealing with his grief whilst he's also a counsellor so he's helping other people through their grief or whatever issues they may have and it's just wonderful and because this is also Bill Lawrence of Scrubs and Ted Lasso he knows how to do an ensemble cast he knows how to create a family out of people who aren't related and also he has his wife in there because she's in everything and she's great. And it's such a it's so funny and it's so sad in parts. And the guy who he almost adopts him as like a say a son. He's been in the army and he's come back and he's dealing with his PTSD. And he moves into Jason Siegel's um what do they call it? It's like a pool house, I suppose, is what the, the Americans call it. And how he integrates him back into the wider world. And it's so well done. I, I absolutely adored it. When everything was going on TV, so you had this, you had all your normal shows, you had Poker Face was out, and it, this was the show for me. That was like, that's the first thing I want to watch. I want to watch that and enjoy it and savour it. And I cannot wait for the second season to come along. I'm hoping it's going to be in 12 months, but I suppose when you've got a star like Harrison Ford, who knows if you can get them back into uh, acting that quickly again. But yeah, so Shrinking was my my Tiger King Award winner this year. Uh, Stu, is there any other films that you just think need highlighting? Anything else that was good, bad? Um, let's see them from the top uh, that hasn't been mentioned yet. Um, but there's been a lot of bad things. I've had the Devil Conspiracy that we both we all, did we, did you both watch it in the end as well. I think I got halfway through. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty terrible. Um, as last year, Yellow Jackets, just give people give it a chance. Again, like Silo, it it knows what it is and it doesn't piss about with it. Mm. Um, and again, like Silo, they've already said they know where their ending is. They're not going to do any more. And like Succession did, ended. It could could have gone on for years. Like um, like House of Cards did on Netflix until he got done. He had to be shut uh, down. Yeah, until he had to stop, and then that's when it all went shit. Um, yeah, 
it has got an ending of Yellow Jackets in two years' time. It's just great fun, which we don't have enough of. And if you want that lost itch, then that's there. And it's a bit of the 90s as well. Um, yeah, there's, that's the main one, really. We, we've kind of talked about a few other things. Um, there was that Ghosted. That was a, a silly nonsense film on Apple TV as well. I don't think I've heard of that one. It's very much in the kind of uh, the Lost City kind of vibe. Right, okay, yeah. I mean, that's the all you need to say. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, if you like that, then you'll like that. Um, yeah. We've had a few, like, we had, like Plane, which was ridiculous, but we haven't had that many of them, that kind of film released mm. straight in the cinema every for a while, so it was nice to see that on there rather than just on certain services on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Matt, have you got anything else that you feel needs highlighting? Um, I mean, believe it or not, I quite enjoyed Renfield. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, it's not a classic and it won't you know, trouble anybody in terms of anyone's top list, I don't think, for the year. But it was, it was good fun and Nicholas Holtz had a really good start to the year with that and the menu, I think. Um, he's just a fun, awkward, nerdy character, isn't he? Like, as a person, I think. It, it yeah. comes across in film. Um, and, and the other one, it's a shame because it's been cancelled, so it's like, why bother investing any interest in it? But Lockwood & Co. on Netflix, the show about the detective agency slash exorcists slash... You know, it's just one of those like teen dramery type things about uh, these kids that are fighting deadly spirits, and it was just good fun. Like it was just turn your brain off at the door, um, and it was cancelled. It was a right shame because people were talking about it, and it just I think it was part of this whole Netflix rejigging. I mean, I finally cancelled Netflix after like a, over a decade of having it. Um, and for that to happen, you know, just shows the level of how they really are dicking about with their own content, much like Twitter this week to put this a timestamp on this. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Lockwood and Co. It was uh, it's a shame it got cancelled because I did enjoy it. Yeah, I'd heard good things, but I don't. I think it's one of those that, as we've said about all the other shows, it didn't get enough of um, advertisement spent on it, so it kind of went under the radar. And what little advertising was, was immediately pulled and it just vanished. But I did hear good things. Cause I think, is it Joe Cornish or Joe? I can't, it's either Joe Cornish or Joe Wright, who was the showrunner on it. And it's like, I like both of those people. But yeah, it's a shame that one was. Um, I don't think I've got anything else on my list that feels really worthy of mention. I mean, Skin and Marink is possibly the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> And I'm with Adam Price, who was on a festival episode for recommending that one. It was awful. Um, Fool's Paradise, I kind of wanted that to be a complete different comedy to what it was. I love It's Always Sunny. I'm a big fan of Charlie Day. And that film just didn't work. It, it, It almost felt like it was a case of, I'm Charlie Day. Here are my famous friends. They'll do a bit of a skit and then they'll go. And it just didn't work as a film. So, yeah, I've only got two that I think should be highlighted for the negative, unfortunately. Did, you any, did anyone watch that Citadel? No. No. There was... So I was trying to find the budget for Silo, and there's no information because it's Apple and it's all underground, ironically. Um, but they just... There was the budget for Citadel for a six-part TV series on Amazon was $300 million. Oh, I'd heard about this. Yes, um, I don't like Priyanka Chopra. I think she's a really, really two-dimensional actor. So I immediately just dismissed it as being bullshit and then read that it was like, yeah, 300 million was spent on it <laughs> and it's supposed to be dog shit. <laughs> so I almost like need to see what it's like there because of it. How can you spend that much and it be that bad? It's incredible, isn't it? But then if you've got the Amazon money, it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it, today? <clears throat> right, okay, so that's us done this. So next week we'll be previewing the next six months 
of 2023 to see what's worth watching. Uh, please make sure you're subscribed on your podcatchers. And if you could leave us a review, we would love you forever. Thank you for joining us this week and giving us an error and a bit of your time. We truly appreciate it. Uh, but this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode and hope you uh, enjoyed our recommendations. If you listen to uh, or watch, I should say, anything off this recommendation and you think it was shit, then let us know um, <laughs> so we can uh, give you our rebuttal. But uh, yeah, have a good week. Speak to you soon. Stu, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah, if, if, if any of them, if any of you are actually up to the Bow is Afraid challenge, <laughs> just watch it and see how long you get into it before you turn it off and then let us know, please. Because if anyone else can do it and sit through the whole thing and enjoy yourselves, I'll be amazed. So, yeah, do that, please. Try. It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Oh, 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 oh,